Hi there, I'm Dave Trout, founder of UTR Media. I have a quick announcement before we get the show started. I know how busy this time of year can be, uh, from school performances to cookie exchanges, of course, tons of shopping. And as a nonprofit, this also is our busiest time of the year. I don't know if it's Uncle Sam or just the procrastinator's delight, but for whatever reason, over a third of all charitable giving nationwide happens in the last four or five weeks of the year. And so now, through December 31st, we have our campaign Build-A-Thon 2018. It's a chance for you and the rest of the UTR community to join together, to do your part, and to help us end 2018 as strong as possible and help us to thrive in 2019. Here at UTR, we know the power that music can have in people's lives, especially well-crafted, faith-inspired music. And so we build community around that and create content that celebrates that through our podcasts and videos, album compilations, articles, and live events. So we would love for you to prayerfully consider a one-time donation or joining our monthly support team and help us reach the goal in Build-A-Thon 2018. And as a thank you, we have a special reward package that you can check out on our website. Just go right now to utrmedia.org to check out all the info and to give online. That's utrmedia.org. All right, on with the show. Welcome to Good Patron, a production of UTR Media. I am your host, Garrett Godfrey, and on this show, we'll explore what it means to be a good patron, asking how each of us can be a good patron of the bands and musicians we appreciate. You can find this podcast wherever you choose to get your podcast, and you should subscribe to the show. It's totally free, and it means you don't miss a single episode. I'm glad you're here, so stick around. We have got some exploring to do. I am really excited about this episode, and I'm going to change things around a bit. First, the Good Patron Challenge, then the Spotlight Campaign, then the other campaigns, then, in the second half, you'll get to hear a discussion I had with Dave Trout from UTR Media, all about the music crowdfunding stuff that was going on this year in 2018. A little bit of a look back and a little bit of a look forward. Let's jump straight into the Good Patron Challenge. Each episode, I offer you a challenge, a way to grow or stretch as a fan in supporting the music you love. And most of the time, those challenges are pretty specific. But this episode's challenge is a bit broad. Are you ready? Live lives of generosity. This means tip a bit more than you did before, or a bit higher than the national average. This means throw some money in the guitar case when you walk by a busker playing in the subway or the street corner. This means support the nonprofits that are doing things you believe in. And for music, this means helping artists by supporting their crowdfunding campaigns. Maybe bumping up your pledge a bit higher than you initially thought you might. And speaking of supporting nonprofits, I'd like to tell you about our Spotlight campaign. This episode's Spotlight Campaign is the UTR Media Build-A-Thon. 
This podcast exists because of UTR Media, and UTR Media exists because of people like you who are passionate about well-crafted, faith-inspired music and believe in UTR's mission to get that music in front of more folks. Here to tell us more about it is UTR Media's founder, Dave Trout. I'm guessing there's a chance that there are some listeners to this show who may not know much about UTR or the Buildathon. So can you give us a brief description of what UTR Media is, why you're so passionate about it, and how important the Buildathon is to everything that's going on at UTR? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love um, music. <laughs> like, like hopefully a lot of listeners. Um, I, I, I feel like we have a connection to God through, I would say most people have a connection to God through three main ways. Um, the first is through, through the Bible, through his word. The second is through people. Uh, he's given us the church. He's given us family. And we learn about him through our interaction with the people in our lives. And then the third one to me is like a wild card. <laughs> um, and, and it's different for every person in some ways. Like for some people it's, um, it's, it's reading good books for some people. It's sermons for some people. It's nature for some people. It's, you know, just being intellectually stimulated through good discussions. And, and for me personally, it is music. That's the third thing that just has always been an important influence in my life in terms of my relationship with God so I have just found that there's an incredible wealth of amazing music that just doesn't get the attention it deserves in mainstream media. And so that's why UTR Media was born. Uh, now it's going on, it's just starting its 11th year. It's just had its 10th birthday. And it was born because I, I personally was going on this journey of needing to find music to reconnect my soul to God through music. And, and I was only finding it through this more lesser known, a little more obscure, but really rich and really deep and really thoughtful artistic music that was being made um, that wasn't getting any airplay on your FM Christian radio dial. So now over the course of these many years, it's evolved a little bit into um, a bit of a, you know, kind of a media hub in terms of we produce, you know, four different podcasts and different video presentations, album compilations, articles, social media, and also um, playlists and live events as well. So um, we do all of that. And of course, Build-A-Thon, uh, which you mentioned, is um, our time that we have at the end of every year for... Um, the folks who enjoy what we do and or really even just appreciate the ministry and the heart behind it to help people kind of re reconnect with God through music and and really celebrate this lesser known but really um, rich music world landscape. If folks really want to get behind that and celebrate our community building efforts, um, they can give to the Buildathon campaign. A lot of folks do kind of end of the year giving, and and there's to I understand there's a ton of worthy causes that can be considered by a family. So we don't claim to be any more deserving than than any other nonprofit out there. 
but we hope that there's some people that would want to get behind what we do and would want to say, our family wants to stand with this organization as one of the things that we believe in. One of the things that we is important, an important part of um, the ministry life of our family, as well as reaching out to others. So that's sort of the, the, the quick uh, snapshot of it. So how do folks get involved? Where do they find it? What do they do? Yeah, you simply go to the utrmedia.org website. There is a banner at the top that says Build-A-Thon, and you can click on it. And uh, right now, we actually have kind of a special promotion deal kind of thing happening. These things just happen organically, so it's kind of cool when they do happen. I know a lot of folks gave on Giving Tuesday because there was you know this national promotion for matching funds through Facebook. And I think that those funds probably ran dry in about 60 seconds is my guess. <laughs> but we have kind of an ongoing matching fund opportunity. So for everybody that can give $100 or if they want to break that up and give like $9 a month or more, then an anonymous generous donor is going to give an extra $50 match on top of that. So And that's going to be an ongoing thing through the campaign. And then we also have a couple of other rewards. If, if you give at any level, um, just a couple like bonus content things that you can get. So, and all that information is on the website, utrmedia.org. Very cool. I think that is totally worthy of a spotlight this episode. And I'm, I'm happy to let everybody know what's going on. I hope you take this episode's Good Patron Challenge, and I hope you consider supporting UTR Media during the Build-A-Thon. Now, on to the rest of the campaigns. We've got a couple of Christmas-focused campaigns, so we'll start with those. And both of these campaigns are campaigns you'd back this year, but will fulfill next year. First up is Brian Dorkson with a Kickstarter campaign for a Christmas album that will feature eight originals and four Christmas favorites. If that name doesn't sound familiar, he's a Canadian author of some great worship songs over the past few decades. If you back the campaign, you'll get two songs now as a digital download and then the full version of the album before Christmas next year. You can get the digital version for about $11 US, and for about $22 US, you also get a signed CD. And he's got more options available too, so head over to Kickstarter and search for Dorksen. That's D-O-E-R-K-S-E-N. This campaign closes Tuesday, January 1st. Next up is a Christmas book, not music. Chris Marchand, friend of this podcast and host of the podcast, Post-Consumer Reports, launched a Kickstarter campaign to put out a book on celebrating the 12 days of Christmas, and I wanted to make sure you knew about it. It's meant to be a guide for churches and families with suggestions and historical insights about Christmas. $20 gets you a signed copy of the book, along with some extras, but there are a number of pledge levels available, including special podcast episodes, an immediate download of Chapter 1, signed copies of the book, fine art, and more. Back it and get the book when it comes out next year. Head over to Kickstarter and search for Marchand. That's M-A-R-C-H-A-N-D. This campaign closes Sunday, January 6th. Now for all those non-Christmas campaigns. Legendary guitar virtuoso Phil Keggy has teamed up with Rex Paul Schnelli to put out a new album and has launched an Indiegogo campaign to raise funds for it. 
This album is to be titled Illumination. Eleven songs with about four or five oldies redone in a very fresh way, and the rest is new material. Phil has put out a wide variety of music over the years, from rock to pop to instrumental, both electric and acoustic, so I'm not sure what this album will be like, but one thing is for sure. What he puts out is good. $15 for the digital download, $30 for an autographed CD, $50 for signed vinyl, and more. Head over to Indiegogo and search for Keggy. This campaign closes Monday, February 11th. Next up is Chris Rodriguez with an Indiegogo campaign for a new album. You may remember his 1999 pop CCM album for Word Records titled Beggar's Paradise, but he has been really busy ever since then touring and recording with artists like Keith Urban, Kenny Loggins, Kelly Clarkson, Michael Olivia Smith, and more. But he's ready to put out another album of his music. He's written over 65 songs and hopes to have the new album out in April of 2019. It probably won't have all 65 songs, but $20 gets you the CD, $50 gets you signed vinyl, and there are other perks available, although I didn't see a digital-only option. Head over to Indiegogo and search for Chris Rodriguez. This campaign closes Sunday, January 20th. Next up is 90s hard rock band Love War with a Kickstarter campaign for a new album. Now, back in 95, 96, they'd written like 12 more songs for a new album, but that never happened. So here they are looking at 25 years since their last album, and they decided they'd like to do fresh recordings of those old new songs and put out a new album. No word on the title yet, but they've been working on the album for a while and plan to release it January of 2019. $10 gets you the digital download, $20 for the CD and download, and they have more options available. Head over to Kickstarter and search for Love War, all one word. This campaign closes Tuesday, January 8th. Next up, hard metal band Demon Hunter have launched a pre-order for a new double album to be titled War and Peace coming out March 1st, and they've got options including CD, vinyl, deluxe edition book, and shirts. Now, if you're a fan, you have got to check this out. Demon Hunter have a reputation for very well-done artwork and packaging when they put these deluxe editions together. So if you like their music, you really owe it to yourself to check this out. Head over to demonhunter.net for the link to the pre-order. And I want to give a special shout-out thank you to a few folks. Thanks to Ben for posting about the Phil Keggy campaign in the Facebook group. And thanks to Bruce for reminding folks that Chris Taylor's Love Coma campaign was about to close. It looks like some folks caught it just in time. Way to go, Bruce. Thanks to Robert in the Facebook group for giving us a heads-up on the Chris Rodriguez campaign, and Tim in the Facebook group for posting about the Love War campaign. I also want to give a shout out to Patrick for letting us know about that Love War campaign. And thanks to the folks at Indie Vision Music for giving us a heads up about the Demon Hunter pre-order. Now, if you're on Facebook, join the crowdfunding Christian music group. Share campaigns you find out about, get in on some behind-the-scenes discussions that are really interesting, learn about some new campaigns before the podcast comes out. I would love to see you in there. Drop by and say hi. And I hope you continue to join me here for each and every episode of Good Patron. Subscribe so you don't miss a single episode, and I hope at least one of these campaigns clicked with you, and that you'll follow up and check it out. I'm excited to keep digging into the topic of how to be a good patron, and I hope I encourage you in your journey from fan to patron. Next up on the second half of the episode, my conversation with Dave Trout about 2018, campaigns that fulfilled, and what we're looking forward to. 
This is UTR's Gourmet Music News Break with Dave Trout. This December, Andrew Peterson and company will be embarking on the Behold the Lamb of God tour. This will mark the tour's 19th consecutive year. Besides the usual suspects like Andy Gullihorn, Jill Phillips, and Ben Shive, the tour will feature special guest Scott Mulvihill. Find more details on the tour at andrew-peterson.com. The Freddie Mercury biopic Bohemian Rhapsody has been getting rave reviews from film critics and even being heralded as an Oscar contender. Many of the film's singing parts were performed by Mark Martell, current solo artist and former lead singer of the band Down Here. In an interview with Film Journal, director Graham King talked about why the movie took 10 years to make. And here's one of the big factors. Quote, it's hard to find someone who can sing like Freddie Mercury. And I'm not sure the movie would have happened if we didn't have Mark Martell. Switchfoot changes their minds. In December 2017, Grammy award-winning band Switchfoot announced they were taking an extended break and would be off the road for the foreseeable future. However, just nine months later, in a video announcement, the band stated that even though they stopped chasing songs, the songs were chasing them. So the hiatus is over. Their first single is out, and the band's 11th studio album, Native Tongue, will be releasing January 18th. On February 14th, they launch a coast-to-coast tour with supporting act Colony House. 12-time Dove Award winner Cindy Morgan has been in the studio this fall working on a new EP called Autumn and Eve. Here's what she told UTR. Quote, The record is about a merging of Old Testament struggles and modern headache. I have been in a season of loss and change, and the songs on Autumn and Eve are inspired by not only this season of my life, but of the stories of old. Listeners will get a taste through the lead single, Wait, and the full EP will be releasing the first week of January. This has been UTR's Gourmet Music News Break. Find more indie music news at utrmedia.org. This UTR podcast is sponsored by the latest release from singer-songwriter Jessica Crawford. Honestly by Jessica Crawford was recorded at Old Bear Studio and has a rootsy, soulful vibe with a message of hope. You just want me to be who I am, honestly. Find Honestly by Jessica Crawford now at Spotify, iTunes, and at jessicacrawfordmusic.com. have discovered UTR's Heart, Soul, and Mind playlist on Spotify with hours of gourmet music updated each month. Now we invite you to check out the all-new UTR Special Menu playlist with a collection of hand-curated specialty-themed songs that are delivered at just the right time. This month's Special Menu features high-quality Christmas songs, including standards, originals, and Advent hymns. You can find the special menu playlist by searching on Spotify, or you can read the curator's notes or listen at utrmedia.org. Welcome back to the second half of the episode. I had a great conversation with Dave Trout about some of our favorite campaigns that we had fulfilled this year 
and we discuss what we were most looking forward to, as well as a discussion about the state of music these days. But first, I want to share some answers from the Facebook group when I posted the question there. Tim Scordall said the one he was most excited about having received this year was the Daniel Amos Horrendous Disc reissue, and the one he's most looking forward to was the Prayer Chain Shawl reissue. Now, if any of the guys in Prayer Chain are listening you got to look into this for him, because he still hasn't gotten his vinyl, even though a number of us have. Sarah Isler's favorites that she received this year was also DA's Horrendous Disc reissue and the Dead Artist Syndrome Prince of Darkness reissue. She was also really excited about the Alter Boys Project and the Lost Dogs campaign. Dennis Drager was really excited about DA's Horrendous Disc project and is really looking forward to the new Love Coma project. And Chris Marchand said he's really been enjoying listening to the new Andrew Osenga album, and he's really looking forward to the new Jeremy Casella album and the yet-to-be-released Fleming and John album. Sad to say, I had this discussion you're about to hear with Dave several days ago. I totally blanked on the DA project, and since that conversation, I have received the vinyl and the book, and it is beautiful. So after the fact, I'm going to sort of, before the interview, tack that onto my answer. Now, I've been talking a lot about this Facebook group, but you can also follow the show on Twitter at Good Patron. And if you have any questions or feedback, or if you want to give me a heads up about a campaign, you can do it really old school and just contact us via email, goodpatronpodcast at gmail.com. Without further delay, here is my conversation with Dave Trout. So let's talk about 2018 yeah, and all the crowdfunding campaigns we've seen. So this year, I went back to my spreadsheet and the show notes. So this year on this show, we've let people know about 65 different crowdfunding campaigns. (laughs) Now, looking back at some of those campaigns from from maybe even earlier this year or even late last year, uh, we've already started to see in some complete and getting those downloads and CDs coming in which ones have stood out to you the most or have you the most excited that you've already gotten albums Um, from well i'll just start the ones that popped into my head that actually happened like late 2017 and then were fulfilled in 2018 a couple of those would be um joy ike was one album that uh, came out in the spring krista wells uh she uh, did a pledge music campaign that was fulfilled in the spring um, and then also um, Adam Whipple, uh, I think his album came out in February, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So those were some that kind of went over the top of the year. And then ones that, that actually where the campaign and the fulfillment happened <laughs> all in the year. Well, I mean, ones that really stood out to me, just a few of them, um, Andrew Osenga's The Painted Desert album. Absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, Bloodshot by the Choir and uh, the Grey Havens. Yeah. Um, she waits. Uh, Andy Gullihorn's latest album. I just got that CD in the mail. <laughs> yeah, it was just kind of a late crowdfunding campaign. And then another one is is Mike Ferris. Yeah. Uh, he did a pl- pledge music campaign uh, for Silver and Stone that 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 came out in September. So those were. A few that that really topped my list. So I'm going to throw out a couple others that I think would probably be on your list. Wild Harbors. Now, they haven't released the whole album, but if we backed it, we got the the whole thing. And then they're just kind of doing the little EPs and dribble of of singles. And Jess Ray. Then kind of older ones, the the Mad at the World album. 
is a little bit more the synth pop old rock from back in the day, but I was just, I have a soft spot for them. And they, they came out with a new album after like years and years. And then Alter Boys, another like really old, right early punk years. And it was actually old recordings that they found and they kind of, you know, put new drums and guitars on that. And both of those fulfilled this year as well. It's just quite the mix from Osana yeah. and uh, Mike Ferris to, to Alter Boys. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I definitely, uh, I, I wasn't sure how to categorize it, but I definitely had Wild Harbors and Just Ray written down. But, but it, yeah, they're kind of in that weird spot where both of those campaigns have been fulfilled to the backers, but then they both are looking at a, you know, January, February uh, release coming, yeah. you know, for the, for the public. So, so yeah, so that's, uh, but, but definitely those, those are exciting albums. Well, now that, that actually is a really good transition to my next question for you, which is what are you most looking forward to seeing fulfilled in the near future from previous campaigns? Totally. Totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, one that comes to mind right away, just because I think, I think the album is coming out in the first couple weeks of January is um, the new album by Brett and Cox. And then some, some others that, that came to mind that I don't think have been fulfilled at all yet would be Jeremy Casella's yeah. new album. Um, Joel Ansett has a, a new full length. It's his uh, second full length album. I think that's coming out in March. Charlie Peacock's, uh, vinyl re-release um yep, you've got a turntable now don't you yeah i do <laughs> well that is uh let's see was that a it was west coast diaries too yeah it i was, was just, I was just trying to yeah. think it was a kickstarter okay i was trying to think was that an indiegogo or a kickstarter okay and then ohio singer-songwriter rick lee james has a new album called thunder um that's uh, was an indiegogo campaign and that is coming out in february I'm also looking forward to the. I'm really excited about this um, documentary. What would Jesus sell? Yeah, um, I think that is supposed to come out sometime next year. I don't think they've they don't have a necessarily project, projected date yet, but I know they've started production on it. So that looks really good. So probably my oldest one is Fleming and John. They oh. they had that. I think they were collecting funds in 2015 for an album to come out in wow. 2016. It was before the um the the like perfect foil stuff was coming out. Right. I think. Wow. Um, and so uh, John Mark Painter has been doing all these other projects along the way, but I keep getting updates every now and then that it's like they're still working on it. So I have no idea when that's going to release, but I am. I'm anxious for that to come out. And I had Bretton Cox as well and Katie Heckle, uh, which oh, yeah. I had not heard of until the campaign. That was my same thing with Bretton Cox. I hadn't heard of her until the campaign. So I've learned a lot of, well, and Lowland Hum and uh, Timby Joy. All of those were artists that I never knew until the campaign came out. And then I went back and found their other stuff. Now I'm like anxious for their new stuff to come out. Right. Yeah. Those but are good. Another, another one that's, um, Odd. So Alex Mejias is in Richmond, Virginia, I, I believe. He was working on an album called Kingdom Land, and he'd put out a Kickstarter for it. And after the Kickstarter met its goal and closed, then he launched an Indiegogo campaign for it, just as a flex funding. 
So it's, you know, whatever you collect, he gets. And, and it was the same exact terms as the Kickstarter. But, like, if you missed Kickstarter, you can get in on it with Indiegogo. And then that closed. And then he, like, got a different job. And it was a while before I got the downloads for the, the album. And I keep waiting for the CD to fulfill and for the album to actually get published so I can tell people, hey, there's this album. And that was two years ago. And so the album has finally just a couple weeks ago been released. Like at the very end of November, this album Kingdom Land, it's got this real smooth Southern R&B sort of flavor. And now I can tell people it exists and to find it. But I'm looking at it on Spotify because I, I haven't gotten my CD yet. And two songs are missing from what I have from when the the downloads went out to backers like a couple years ago. So that's wild. I know. I'm I'm really anxious to hear the the whole story behind all of that. But um, yeah, it's it was it was definitely one that I was looking forward to, and I wrote it up uh, anticipating this conversation as one I'm looking forward to, and then it actually came out. I'm like, yes. So so, so is there is there a lesson to be learned? I'm I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are. <laughs> So for sure, I think in his case, he actually, I, I believe he was a worship leader um, while he was doing some music. And then like right after the campaign transitioned to a totally different job and, you know, everything in his life kind of changed and he was really hoping to get more funds for the marketing of the album and all this. And then everything priority wise changed, but like Fleming and John, you know, that's been years, but their, their fan base is going to stick with them. Um, but yeah, I do think I, I loved what Andrew Osenga did with the, like the album's already done, you know, this way you get it early or even what Andy Gullahorn did with the, the acoustic versions are already done. You can get those right away. Yeah. You know, kind of the, the scratch demos. It's like, you know, something's already there and, and then it's really just about the physical product. But, you know, for, for a lot of artists, I think even the, less expensive costs of recording an album today might be kind of out of reach and unless you can get those funds ahead of time. So it's a, it's a tricky spot for sure. I'm seeing a lot fewer people offer CDs though. And that's weird because I'm, I'm kind of a fan of CDs Yeah, and, and I see like a lot, a lot more albums like, uh, Oh, I'm going to forget his name. I want to get it right. It's Andrew Peterson's son, yeah. And it's it's um Namo. I found out it's Namo, yeah. not Nemo. Uh but I can't remember what it is. Asher. Asher, Asher Peterson. Peterson yeah. So like that project, no C D. It's just, mm. you know, digital only. And a lot I've right. seen a lot more of those that are digital only. The other thing that's just like here's a chance for me to vent and and gripe at Indiegogo. They have made some changes in the last year or two. Like on Kickstarter, I can I have a question for an artist. I can go to the FAQ tab and ask a question. On Indiegogo, there's no way to ask the campaigner a question like how many songs on the EP or do you have a sample of what it sounds like or anything. You got to go to Facebook and find them and message them or go to the website and find their email. Like there's no mechanism in Indiegogo to ask. And the other thing I started seeing was like they'll just have brief descriptions of the pledges. And you have to click on it to then kind of expand it out and see more detail. Yeah. So I was yeah. asking a lady about her campaign and, you know, her, her perks were like white feather and, you know, purple arrow and whatever. And I'm like, I don't, yeah. I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. And she told me, if you click on it, it expands out and tells you. And I thought, 
Well, I wouldn't click on it unless I wanted to buy the white arrow or purple feather. I mean, it's just like a, I don't know. It's a weird design choice on Unicogo's yeah. part, but yeah, that is odd. And, and, and yeah, I mean, and I agree with you as well as like Indiegogo is also notorious for, for not listing end dates of campaigns. And, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of weird it's, too. It's really hard. Cause I, for the show, I want to be able to be precise to say it ends on Thursday, January, whatever, so that you know, right. like, oh, it's it's Tuesday, I better get on that. And then when Indiegogo just has, you know, like in a month-ish, <laughs> I, I can't say a month-ish and have that be meaningful for anybody that might set a clock by it. So it seems like I'm still seeing artists uh, self-funding without going the crowdfunding route. Um, I'm still seeing artists like surprise us with just the album dropped. Boom. You, they didn't even tell you it was coming. Here's this right. thing. But it does seem like there are more that are going the route of crowdfunding. Is that kind of your read? Yeah, I think so. I, I think what I have learned in this, especially this last year, just asking more questions of artists about crowdfunding they, I, I, I was surprised to learn how scary and daunting a crowdfunding campaign is to, to many artists. Some artists that have done it once or twice feel like it's you know they're they're willing to jump back in and try it again and do it again. And some artists just they just have very little interest in managing a campaign. And for many artists, they, they just can't handle sort of the pins and needles of, you know, down to the wire funding. And, you know, I'm wired just a little bit differently because I, I, I run a nonprofit. So I understand what fundraising is and, and I'm, I'm not as scared off by it, but I've been realizing that to some artists, it is a very nerve wracking thing. And, uh, which were, which kind of tells me as a consumer and as a patron that if we see uh, a campaign that we want to get behind, I think the the natural instinct is to kind of sit back and wait and see how things go. And maybe I'll jump in and give my support when I feel the time is right. But to the artist, really the best time to give is as early as possible um, when you feel that instinct to get involved, jump on that instinct and and don't let it pass by because because to the artists the the faster those percentages go up, the more <laughs> just the more the more the blood pressure goes down. So absolutely, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're right though. There is that notion of like I want to back a winner. Yeah. You know, if if I know this campaign has no shot at, well, I'll I'll just be flat out honest. There have been campaigns that I have seen, and as I look at it, I think this is probably not going to make it. Yeah, and I will yeah. still promote it on the show and post it in the Facebook group and tweet it because I feel it deserves the attention and I want it to make it. And I'm backing it and I want somebody else to back it too, because I think it's good. You know, now maybe their goal is too high or the the threshold to get in is too, too high, or maybe it's just, they didn't put enough, you know, in their campaign to grab people's attention. But, you know, like Kickstarter is all or nothing. So if you can't, 
meet the goal, nothing's going to happen. So like if I see a campaign that I'm not sure if it'll make it or not, I've got nothing to lose by backing it. Right. If it, if it, if it falls through, it's not like they charged my credit card, you know, it, it didn't make it and they'll try again. Um, but you're, you're absolutely right about the skill set it takes to pull off a campaign. I mean, Chris Taylor, he's like a day away from the love coma campaign closing. And it's, I think, you know, just at or under 50% funded. Mm. And that breaks my heart because I love yeah. his music. And, and he, from a campaigning perspective, did amazing stuff. I mean, he had regular posts. He did Facebook live videos of look at me, I'm going through my old, you know, love coma scrapbook and talking about the good old days. He, you know, made sure that people who followed his kind of music back in the day knew about the campaign. Um, I mean, he was all over it, but that's a, that's a full-time job. And I've, I've seen people like launch a campaign and then go on vacation. Yeah. Or they launch the campaign right before their honeymoon. It's like, who's, who's man in the store? You yeah. just launch this thing and nobody's home to like follow up or it's the whole indie artist thing. Now you're not just the songwriter and performer. You are the booking agent. You are the marketing department. You are A&R and radio promotions. You are the, you know, the one doing all, all of it. And you're, you're everything. And you're the, the one having to, do all the outsourcing for production work, for art, for layout, for, and and then you launch a campaign on top of that. You know, if I don't have money for an album, what makes you think I have money to do a, a video? Right. So, yeah. so you make a homemade video, like who do I know that can help me make a video? And, you know, it's, it's scary to, to tr I mean, it's a, a different skill set for sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't probably, probably don't, I won't mention any names, but the uh, there's a there's a, a well-known Christian artist who did a crowdfunding campaign and and a, I, I don't remember what exactly the goal was but it was a pretty lofty goal something like you know well over 30 or 40,000 um, I, I can't remember the exact amount but uh, this was a few years ago and they they kind of went public with what, how that money was spent almost exactly. And it turns out that they spent probably, I, I think it was about 10%, about five, you know, four, probably four or $5,000 on social media advertising dollars. Wow. So, and I'm not saying that that's right or wrong, but I'm, but I am kind of, I guess I'm talking to the artists that are listening to say, if all you're doing is, posting on your own wall, you know, on your own timeline as a, as an artist and, and just speaking to the people that are your fan base, it probably isn't enough because the organic traffic, you know, your campaign is likely not going to go viral and you actually have to use these social media platforms as an advertising tool um, and sometimes put money behind that advertising so that it gets into the eyes of, you know, in front of people. So, so yeah, I, I think that I personally wouldn't spend quite that much on, on a campaign, but, but it just shows you that you do have to be willing to do some paid advertising to, to spread the word on some of these things. Well, and then talking to the to fans in the audience, I've got to say, like when I see a campaign, that I believe in, you know, of course I'm going to like 
I've got a podcast, so I'm going to talk about it on the podcast. And we've got right. the Facebook group, Crowdfunding Christian Music. And so I'm going to post it in the in the group. But like, I'm going to put it on my personal wall because I have friends that they don't listen to podcasts and they're not going to join a group. But when I post, hey, the Ultra Boys are working on an album, I'll have five or six friends or family members even that were like, whoa, the Ultra Boys or the choir or, you know, some new artists. I, I posted one and about Timby Joy and a, you know, girl at church came up on Sunday and said, hey, so I listened to that artist you were talking about. She's really good. So for us, Yes, the artists probably need to invest some money in advertising, but like we can be that grassroots. Do they still call them street teams anymore? <laughs> like we can <laughs> yep. be the, the, the hands and feet to say, I believe in this project and I'm going to spread the word. And, Absolutely. you know, I want to make sure that the people who know me and, you know, not everybody I know likes the same stuff I like. That's okay. But the ones that, that will at least listen to it and say, oh, wow, I connected with that. I'll check it out. It might be their first time signing up to Kickstarter to back anything. And they they found out about it because I posted it on my wall or tweeted about it or told somebody. Absolutely. I, I, there's so much power in in sharing, commenting, you know, because even even just even if you're not willing to share something on your own wall, leave a comment when you see someone's when you see someone's campaign or, or, or put your own pledge in and then, and then put a comment on it because when other people are visiting, you know, the, oftentimes the first place your eye goes after you see the headline or whatever the campaign is, is you look to see who is commenting on it and, and how many people and what are the comments. And then sometimes those comments will validate the desire to get involved. So you, yeah. We, we as an audience can can just through taking five or ten extra seconds could help influence someone else's giving. So I think it's really important. Well, I I am excited to see kind of what what's around the corner. I know that uh, John Malay had said something about probably launching a crowdfunding campaign for new albums soon. So I don't have any inside track other than him just announcing that he was going to. Um, but I will say, if there are any artists out there and you know you're going to launch something, give us the heads up ahead of time. I would love to to help you get some some momentum as it's going uh, when you when you launch. And that's, I guess that's another thing that I want to say to the artists that are out there. One thing I have really appreciated is the advance notice. And Low Fidelity Records has been doing a really good job of uh, pre-announcing campaigns before they launch. Just to say, like, you know, next Tuesday or on January 1st or whatever, we're going to launch a campaign for whatever. It's It's awesome because then... I can start spreading the word before it even launches so that when it does launch, you have one of those, wow, it's only been three days and we're already 75% there or something. Um, now, the opposite is also true. It's it's likely that maybe in the first three days, you kind of saturated almost everybody that was going to gonna back it, but that's okay. You know, it did, it yeah. did get that, that really strong leap because when it has a lot of action right away, I think that's part of what helps it percolate to view at Kickstarter, just as a generic, you know, this is something that's hot right now. And, uh, you know, that, that might get some new eyeballs. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I read a statistic, um, not too long ago, which just blows my mind, but it's true. And cause it's, it's, it's based on mathematical statistics, which is if, 
if uh, a Kickstarter campaign, and this is just on the Kickstarter platform, but if a Kickstarter campaign um, reaches uh, 63% or more, it has a 92% chance of reaching 100%. So, wow. So as long as the campaign anywhere in the days, even in the last like 48 hours, it crosses 62%. It has over a nine in 10 chance that that's going to reach the hundred percent mark. Um, Cause that's just like the threshold of momentum that's needed. And, and so that, yeah, anywhere that that can happen, if it happens in the first week or the last week, any time that that happens, that's, it's a, it, it just shows that momentum is in the favor of the artist and um, and oftentimes the the goal is met. So that's that's something that a lot of artists don't even know that that the momentum can just kind of percolate based on where it's at. Like Kickstarter has said, oftentimes either things are a rousing success or they or they kind of never really get momentum. Yeah. If it if it if it fail if a campaign fails, it's usually not failing at like eighty five or ninety five percent. It's failing in the 35 45 50% range and we can all do our part to help get campaigns over those momentum thresholds absolutely well very cool this has been a lot of fun yeah. it's been good to kind of go back and and say man there's been a lot of a lot of albums out this year that we had a chance to be a part of that's pretty pretty exciting it's very cool and yeah it's it's Man, I, I, I'm blown away that um, you on the podcast have been able to highlight 65 campaigns over the year. That's awesome. Well, I uh, I appreciate your time. I know it's been a, a long night for both of us for family and everything, but it's been good to kind of carve out some time and, and catch up and also show some perspective for the the rest of the... You know, I I think of the listener as kind of like me as passionate about music and interested in um, helping artists. And I know that that's something that you and I also have in common with each other. So it's kind of almost like, a, you know, sitting around, I don't know if it's sitting around the campfire or just sitting around like catching up yeah. and, and talking. So this is, this has been good. For sure. Yeah, man. Thank you. This has been fun. Yeah. It just, it's great just to connect and, and it feels like we could just, pick a topic about music and just talk all night long. So it's, it, it is fun to, to dive in a little bit on, on just, just this one little microcosm of the music scene and, um, and it's, it's important stuff. So I really appreciate what you're doing. Well, thanks for everybody listening. You know, if you've got some ideas on campaigns that you thought were uh, overlooked and really should have gotten a voice, let me know good patron podcast at gmail.com and I'll, uh, I'll talk about it in the next episode and, and make sure people know that we overlooked something or there was another one we should have mentioned. So sounds good. Talk to you later. Dave. All right. Thanks Garrett. You bet. Bye-bye. Good patron podcast is a production of Garrett Godfrey and Dave Trout as a part of UTR media, an independent listener supported nonprofit ministry in Chicago, Illinois and online at utrmedia.org. Until next episode, remember, great music doesn't just happen, so get involved. Well, I I am excited to see kind of what 
what's around the corner. Um, I know. I don't know if you can hear that. I've got like the craziest <laughs> noises in the background. I think it might be bath time. It, I thought I thought it was farm animals there for a second. I know it was. Um, <laughs> it was quiet for a while, and then the family got home, and I don't know what's going on. Um, and Low Fidelity Records has been doing a good job with this, with their um, reissues. Hold on a second. 